I raised up to your level, so you're not gonna look down on me on your ivory tower anymore. But you have some more cushions. Yeah, you always look down on me. Rightly so. <laughs> Hello and welcome to I Hate Your Movie. My name is Rick. I'm Dan. And this is a podcast where we recommend films to each other in the hope that we each like them, but probably not. Yeah, most likely. Most likely. This week was my pick and I got Dan to watch Atomic Blonde starring Charlize Theron. Came out in 2017 and Netflix is currently working on a sequel. Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't on Netflix. It wasn't on Netflix originally. It went to the cinemas, made a massive $100 million wow. on a $30 million budget. Those mid-level movies that you like so much. Yeah. Well, this proves my point. Mm-hmm. And I've got more to say about that as well. I just don't want to get too much ahead of myself. Okay. What to do with this film? To do with... Okay, I'll get into it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, took, like, it took so little convincing. <laughs> the first thing I noticed about this movie, there's lots of studio images. Disney, Warner Brothers, you know, it wasn't those, but yeah, yeah. I just can't remember what they were. There's lots of little studios, and that's always like a mark of a great film, I've noticed, because it usually means that they really wanted to make it, and they had to get money from all sorts of sources. Yeah. And so it's a real good success story if it made that much money, because they were clearly struggling to make it if there's like six or seven studios involved. Charlene Theron spent five years trying to get this film made. <sighs> She serves as the producer in this film as well. It shows because when people really care about the film they're making, they generally tend to make a good film. So, yeah, on to your one-sentence review then. Okay, so I really liked it. Yeah? Plot twist, I didn't like it. <laughs> Is that your one-sentence review? Plot twist, we haven't even started the episode. <laughs> Plot twist, I liked it. Or did I? <laughs> And that's my one sentence review. I think you need to look up what a sentence is. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's get into the film. Yeah. So the film starts with... Starts with all the studios. Yeah, starts with all the studios. And then it has a really cool, like, graffiti, atomic blonde yeah. thing. I really like the style of this film. It feels very raw. Realistic. Re yeah, it feels very real. But also stylized. Like, if someone filmed a live-action Streets of Rage... It feels yeah, like that. the outside stuff feels very realistic and the world feels very lived in. Mm -hmm. But whenever there's inside shots and they can put up their own lines and stuff, it looks very stylized. Yeah, so it starts off with Big Thing saying the Berlin Wall fell in 1989. Uh, that's the one. This is not that story, which is, I don't know, I need to see the point. The point is... It is not their story, but it is kind of a parallel story that's going on with the story. It's a great way to show tension. As the tension gathers in the movie, there's more protests on the street. There's more civil unrest. It's kind of a great way of showing tension and raising the stakes as well, because there's more border checks, more people on the streets, more like snipers and more chaos happening. I think that's a great setting. And I've only seen one other movie that took great advantage of of it and it is Suspiria the remake okay I never watched Suspiria it seems like a very you kind of film and a very not me kind of film the intro kind of jumps around a lot like you're in London then you're in Berlin then you're with Charlize Theron she's in an ice bath for some reason 
Does it ever explain why she has ice baths? Because she does it in the middle of the film as well, yes. even when she's fine. And there's a great transition where she's in an ice bath and then she grabs a bunch of ice from an ice bucket from a different location. <laughs> and it's really cool. I thought she took that from the bath. It's a bit disgusting, really. Isn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> Just yeah. have a bath and then um, use your bath water to cool your drink. That's a good question what it's meant to be, but it's clearly like a motif. She's calming her nerves or something. They always make sure that you see that she puts ice in it. She likes it cold. Yeah, she's a cold bitch. Because this is based on a graphic novel. The original graphic novel was called The Coldest City. I thought you were going to say The Cold Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, so it jumps around a lot. So you're in London, then you're in Berlin, then she's in a room with two people and they're questioning her, like, what happened? The whole context and framework of this film is this flash forward of people questioning her on the adventure we are about to see. Smiling on the adventure. (laughs) (laughs) We're going on an adventure. Adventure. She yeah. fights a dragon at one point. It's a very weird film. <laughs> I want to see Atomic Blonde versus Dragon. <laughs> versus Smaug. The Hobbit versus <laughs> yeah. Atomic Blonde. I don't know. Should I give away what my... Because I didn't say in the review what my actual thoughts on this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll leave it for that. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go for it a little we'll bit. We'll leave it for a surprise. Cool. So, yeah, now you start to meet everyone. Mm-hmm. The two guys, John Goodman and... Small guy. Toby Jones? Yeah. Toby Jones and John Goodman are... One's the CIA, one's British intelligence. And then you see the flashback through their eyes. She went to Berlin and then she immediately gets attacked. Yes, the car scene at the very, very start. Yeah. So she gets picked up in the airport from two randoms. She goes to West Berlin. Yes. The more America-sided one. Um, yeah, cool car scene. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool action scene. Yeah. Yeah, it's really well shot, really well done. My favourite part of that is she beats everyone up and then there's a Porsche driving behind her, chasing them. Mm-hmm. And she beats up both of the guys. The action in this film is incredible, by the yes. way. The fight scenes, the choreography. The same people that worked on this also worked on John Wick. Mm. The co-director of John Wick, or John Wick 2, I can't remember, is the director of this film. And he's put a lot into kind of the action and to make it look cool. Kind of like extraction in a way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like, if you watch this and Extraction back-to-back, Extraction will stick out like a sore thumb. They tried to go for a similar thing, but they failed, kind of. Extraction failed. Extraction failed, yeah. Compared to this, like, this is a movie that set out visual goals and achieved them, and Extraction is set out visual goals and... And put an orange filter over the camera. (laughs) Yeah, so the car crashes. I think this is one of my favourite parts of the film, is, like, her shoe... Is on the ground and James McAvoy picks it up and goes, look, are you okay? And just like, she shoots at him. <laughs> yeah. He's like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> no, I have your shoe. <laughs> it's really cool. But you also meet him a little bit before, I think, in the description. And he's like the guy in Berlin. He runs the show over there and he kind of lost the plot a little bit. He's doing drugs and drinking loads and partying on both sides of the wall yeah. with various different insurgents and Yeah, youths. mostly punks and... yeah. Anarchists. He's got a really famous bit in the film where he's selling people. I don't know if it was like kind of like some prohibition thing on the west side of the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, Must but have he, been. Yeah. yeah, he's selling alcohol and drugs and he doesn't take money for this stuff. He takes information. Yes. That's his payment method, is information on what's yes. happening in West Berlin, which is a cool concept. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of actual people made their living with that as well. 
My favourite part about this bit as well is how he gets from one side of the wall to the other. He's on the west side and he drives the flaming car (laughs) into the barricades. Yeah, I've got that as one of the great transitions that happen. I actually forgot what it is, but I wrote down car driving on fire transition. Okay. (laughs) It must have been great because I wrote it down. And he has this really like uh, Indiana Jones moment. So he crashes the car into the wall. And then while everyone's distracted, he jumps under the thing so he can walk underneath the wall. But then takes the time to open it up, throw his hat back and close the grate again. <laughs> yeah. It was a nice touch. Completely unnecessary. You wouldn't do it. You would just throw the hat down on the floor inside. But it's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. Also in this bit is where we meet Spyglass yes. for the first time. I wrote down funny accent, but I got used to it. Okay. Uh, it didn't seem real. Compared to everyone else, it stuck out a bit. His uh, German accent. Because he's an American actor, right? I think he's an English actor, yeah. Oh, English I actor. think I've seen him in English. Yeah, like I've seen things. him and stuff as well, yeah. Thankfully, he doesn't say much, and I got used to it. I thought he was very good, start yeah. to finish as well. I thought he, was, he played it well. James Gascoigne yes. is the guy in Berlin on the British intelligence, and yes. he's been murdered. Yes. We missed that entire scene at the start of the film, <laughs> where he's being chased by a car, yeah. and then he gets run over, and then shot in the head. Yeah, so that's what starts this whole thing. Yes. She was sent to investigate. Yep. And to get this list of names and contacts, which could, as they say, reheat the Cold War. Yeah, it's a list of all intelligence agencies known by the British government or just in general. I'm not sure it was specified. I think it was just in MacGuffin, really. Basically, anyone undercover or anyone who has any kind of intelligence operation on the east or west side of the Berlin Wall is on the list. Yeah, so she's in her apartment and she burns this picture of Gascoigne. So the whole image is blue and I'm pretty sure it's natural blue light, except the flames. And that's actually really hard to do. Yeah? Yeah, to have like the whole scene is just one colour, the fire is one colour. Can't you just shine blue lights? On her face there were the lights of the fire as well. Yeah. So it was already shining blue light. Yeah. But the fire was fire coloured and that wasn't reflecting (laughs) the blue. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. It's a really simple thing that a lot of people would miss. There is one fault in this film for me. It's the Russian guy. The boss. There's a scene where he beats up someone with a skateboard. I wrote down he's not menacing in his performance, even in German, even though that's a big plus. German sounds threatening to begin with. (laughs) Yeah, so he's the big bad, kind of. He's one of the big bads. British and American are trying to find the list and the Russians are also trying to find it as well. And he represents like the Russian enemy part of it. Not only is he not particularly menacing in his acting, the character is written over the top. He feels like he should have a moustache that he's twirling. (laughs) I'm not sure if I agree with that. I just thought that he wasn't menacing enough. He was just kind of like not putting in the effort, I guess. But then again, I'm not sure if his character itself was supposed to be kind of a subversion of expectations. They set up this big bad guy and then it's not really about him. Mm. So maybe that was the point. And again, he talks in German, a language that Nazis used. (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's that's true. Why, that's why Hitler sounds so fucking menacing in those old when he screams and was like, God damn. He could be screaming about anything. <laughs> I wanted syrup on my pancakes. <laughs> wow, the bad guy was so not intimidating that I wrote down twice. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. His performance was so forgetful you forgot it <laughs> mid mid scene. <laughs> yeah. 
It is at this point we also find out, because there's not enough going on in this film at this point, we also find out that there is somebody called Satchel. Yes. So Satchel is a double agent Mm -hmm. who is selling information to the Russian guy. And that's how Gascoigne died. Okay. I trust you on that. I admittedly got very confused, especially by the end of this story. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Yeah. But there's weirdly a lot going on and not much going on at the same time. We'll get into that later. Yeah, so Satchel is the leak of the information and it's Charlize Theron's mission not only to get the information back from wherever it is, but also worm out this Satchel person. Okay. And then it starts getting good. Like, you've been dumped all of this information all of the cast is now introduced you know who's who you know what they're against and now we can start with the action Mm -hmm. so she goes to there's action there was action already oh yeah so the car chase i like that it starts slow and kind of sneaking around and then it ramps up at the end like a big time but this is the hose scene this is the part of the film that like caught my attention Okay. I'm like, right, this is cool now. So it's when she's sneaking through Gascoigne's apartment. Oh, yes. And then she hears the police coming up the stairs and she picks up her hose. Yeah. For some reason. She forgets the knives in the drawer. She forgets <laughs> tables and chairs that she can throw at people. You no, know, she goes for the hose. Yeah. Because she knows. She knows what's going to happen later. And it's a really cool scene. Everything in this scene is like perfectly choreographed she beats up like three or four guys mm-hmm. and at the same time while she's doing it she's like hooking them with the hose and like yes. wrapping the hose around them so that as more police come up the stairs she can jump off the balcony holding onto the hose and then swing underneath <laughs> and land perfectly well yeah. no, she doesn't land perfectly she crashes into the wall really badly yeah, i'm not sure in real life that hose would hold her up but do you not think i don't know what it's made of but the hoses i encountered were very rubbery yeah. They would either snap or elongate to the point where it's useless. Bungees down <laughs> and then comes back up. Hello. The fight scenes in this film are very visceral. Yes. And real blood sometimes. I mean, not real blood. Real blood spatter sometimes, not digital, which is very appreciated by me. I just think everything about it's very well done. Yeah. It feels very like... It's the kind of thing, you the fight scenes you watch where you go like, ooh, ah, yeah. ooh. I think all the visual stuff was very well done. Yeah, all the visual stuff. All the visual stuff. Like, I, just a visual standpoint, I love this movie from, like, shot one. And I knew it's going to be great. I just see the attention in detail. The colors are amazing. I'm a big sucker for neon lights, red and blue. I'm going to just buy me with that. (laughs) But it just looks great. The visual stuff was super on point. Like, 10 out of 10. And the editing, 10 out of 10. Best looking movie we've seen so far. Yeah? Yeah. Looking, edited as well. That is high praise from Daniel Brim. It just drips from effort. Nice. That's a cool phrase. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Shot one, I was hooked. And that tells you that people thought about this. And even though it's an action movie where I think the story was lacking, actually, but they really believed in it and they really put the work in for little things that you might not notice it, but your brain will kind of thing. What did you think about the music in the film? I think it was a bit too reliant for mood. It reminded me of The Umbrella Academy. 
Okay. Where I was watching that and I realized, oh, I'm just listening to the playlist of the creators. <laughs> it was kind of like that. It's a good playlist, though. The it is. The Umbrella Academy has a really good soundtrack. It is. And this had a good soundtrack, but it was too much too often. Yeah, there was too much music crammed in, especially like in the early middle part of this film. Yeah. But I will give it its credit. For the most part, the songs are really 80s and they felt real to the time. I didn't recognise any of them. Really? Not 99 Luftballons? Apart from 99 Red Balloons. (laughs) And there's a song at the end as well. I can't remember what song it is at the end. I recognised all of them. Yeah, I grew up post-communist Hungary. Makes sense. But yeah, it would be so easy for them to go to like really classic 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it was for Germany. Maybe. I said when I was reading up about the film, did you hear anywhere in the film a line about David Hasselhoff? Yes. <laughs> did you? Yeah, yeah. You didn't? <laughs> no, I didn't. When she's at the bar with her lover. Atomic Blonde is in the bar with her brunette lover. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the name, sorry. Delphine is the character name, and yeah. she is played by Sophia... Butella? Yeah. She's the mummy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Such a blight on her <laughs> like resume. She is so good in like most of the things she does, and it's such a shame that most people see her and go, oh, it's the mummy in that shit film, <laughs> The Mummy. <laughs> yeah, so when they're at the bar, she says, oh, David Hasselhoff is in town because uh, there's paparazzi outside. Uh, and okay. just see flashes. Yeah, it made sense. Germany loves the Hoff. Yeah, especially in the time. I think the other problem with the music... And the soundtrack is that all the songs were meant to be ironic, fluffy, upbeat, upbeat 80s yeah. songs and uh, contrasted with either very dilapidated Berlin and like bureaucracy or action scenes. And I think that's why it was a bit tiring, because the only reason it was there is to communicate irony. It's funny that you mention dilapidated Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> also known as modern day Hungary. Yeah, also known as. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love the older cars. The older cars from my childhood, the East German cars. Uh, the Trabant, Polski, tiny, tiny car. Are these all like the communist cars that just yeah. basically made of like tinfoil and. Yes. And the cardboard. Trabant, we had the Trabant, and my mother slammed the door on my finger and it bent around. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was made of fucking paper. It was very nostalgic for me. Good, I'm glad. Yeah, it was banned after a while. What, the car? Yeah, it was so unsafe. Yeah. But people used it for like 45 years. They did a good job with the landscapes and stuff, so that I wasn't quite sure I was hungry. Just from the dilapidation of buildings, I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) It was fucking Budapest. Cool. So, yeah, it's good that you mentioned the bar, because that's where we're at the moment in the film. And then her lover, Delphine, they have a scene together. Very comfortable scene. Oh, yeah, I was looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Boobs. Good boobs. (laughs) Good boobs. (laughs) My note is lesbian sex. Haha, I can do gay too. Because <laughs> all, all of your films so far had some kind of gay sex in them. Yep. I love the sex scene in The Thing, 1982. <laughs> I, was, I was genuinely trying to remember that. Then. And then, yeah, so it goes back to kind of the spy thriller at this point. So you've had your action scenes and it's going back to the plan. So the plan is to get Spyglass and his family out of the city because he has memorized all the names on the list. Yes. Which didn't really work for me because the second he said that he's memorized the list, they surely would just murder him. He is a huge liability to all intelligence forces. Yeah, but they didn't have the real list. 
as far as they yeah, but they know who's on the real list surely because no they don't so they who want... made the list i don't know but they wanted the list back and that's the only way they're gonna get the list because they thought the russians had it i think that was the idea though yeah but then who made then what <laughs> <laughs> to be fair i was really confused with the story it just got worse and worse as the movie went along i thought it was a list of no because she's on it in the end isn't she has because the list has who is satchel on it who satchel is on yeah it. there's one shot where you see quick shots of the list and someone's looking through like a microscope or something yeah yeah one of the names were merkel <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know if someone put that in there for like to spite the previous chancellor of germany <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're trying to get his family out of East Germany and they hatch a plan with Percival. She doesn't want Percival involved. He wants to be involved. And then what I really liked here is Bill Skarsgård, isn't it? The guy. Yeah, the, the Pennywise. Youth. Yes. Yeah. I looked at the list and be like, no, that's not his name in this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's leader of like something. He makes passports for people. Yeah, I was thinking he's more like the wolf from Pulp Fiction. He's like the fixer. Yeah. He's the guy who knows how to do get stuff and very underused. Yeah. I like Bill Skarsgård. He's a very, very good actor. Well, to be fair, there's not much room for any more celebrities in this film. <laughs> it's full of celebrities, which is impressive given that it only cost thirty million to make the whole thing. Yeah, and people must have done this for cheap. Yes, this is a really cool scene as well. So they're getting the family out. They've separated Spyglass from his family, and they walk into a crowd of protesters. Yes, the Berlin Wall is finally going down. Is it going down at this point? I think uh, just... It will after this, yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> There's one scene, I'm 100% sure it's before this, where Atomic Blonde has to go from West to East Germany. And yes. she goes through the typical border crossing. Yeah. And she gets followed by the Russians. And there's an action scene. Yes, there is. Yeah, they go into the movie. They go into Stalker, the Russian, Soviet, apparently great movie. I've never seen it. There's one thing that I noted, which is they go behind the screen, Yeah. which is an amazing visual. I loved it. But I don't think that works like that. <laughs> I think for projection, you need like a solid black thing on there. Otherwise, the... No, because it used to be back projection. There used to be a projector behind the screen, projecting it onto the screen, and you would watch it from that side. It's only later they put the projector behind the people who think there. but the problem with that scene is that their shadows aren't on the wall that's what i was thinking and also i don't think or i don't remember if their bodies and clothes reflected as well anyway it looked great so you know it's just a little nitpick for me yeah. my note for this is cinema ladder fight keys in face <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, yeah. it's really cool because she puts her keys between her knuckles and like punches him in the face and her keys get stuck completely inside his cheek. Yeah. It's awesome. It looks wicked. I was describing the protest scene. They walk out and it's a really excellent idea because all these the Russian agents are trying to find Atomic Blonde and Spyglass and Percival and they go into the crowd and the snipers are aiming them and they all just lift umbrellas. Mm -hmm. Identical black umbrellas. Mm -hmm. Which is just a really nice scene. Just I, I didn't expect it. It's an easy and elegant solution. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be that kind of clever. Yeah. This is the point in the film, like you say, where things are ramping up and it would be very easy in this film to have like a big shootout yeah. or a big the Russians come down the street and start attacking protesters, something really heavy handed. And that's what most films would have done. And it didn't do that. 
Yeah, I was I wasn't surprised by that because uh, I was already sold on the movie just based on the visuals and how clever it was. I was sold on the movie, but I think there's a place for either. You know, I think mm-hmm. if that had had happened, it would have made the film worse, but it still wouldn't have made it a bad film. Maybe budget and also like artistic reasons, they preferred the kind of close quarters, small combat, hand to hand kind of stuff rather than the mass panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can't afford the extras for yeah. to do all that. <laughs> yeah, that. And did uh, Charlize Theron did her own stunts or not? She did a lot of her own stunts, not all of them. Okay. Did uh, she do the boobs? I don't know. I think so. Okay. Because it's her faces in it in the same. Yeah, thing. well, a lot of actors do that. What they superimpose their yeah. face onto someone else's boobs. It happens in Game of Thrones. Really? With uh, Heidi Felicity. Mm. What's her name? I agree. Uh, it's Queen Cersei when she goes naked and people go, shame, shame. Oh, really? Is that yeah. not, is that not, it's not her? her, no. Not when her boobs are showing. What's the point of that? Um, so she can keep her dignity for not showing that dirty, dirty brown skin. Mm. <laughs> it's weird to me that just put something over your tiny nipples that there's like, oh, you got dignity now. <laughs> you know, like it's always so silly for me. Well, obviously, there's always been like butt actors. Yeah, <laughs> there's butt doubles, there's boob doubles. Which makes sense if there's, you know, you're just seeing butt or you're just seeing boobs, but to have someone's face in it as well, like, yeah. that shit's online. No one's going to know that's not you. Uh, I never understand why boobs have to be censored. It's like everyone sees boobs all the time. Baby sees boobs. A five-year-old <laughs> just seen boobs. Where are people seeing boobs all the time? I've been watching too much Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> well, you know, boobs are in, in our life. Men boobs. <laughs> regular boobs. Boobs are in our life. That's uh, that well-known saying. <laughs> That's the episode title. <laughs> I want t-shirts, mate. <laughs> boobs are in our lives. But she did do a lot of her own stunts. Kind of a fun fact. She actually cracked two teeth while filming this. Well, dedication. Yeah. Why did you want to make this so much? It's kind of like what I said before. You just, you need films like this to lead the way. You need like Mm. badass action films with female leads. It's important that you kind of make these films and you make them well so that you can have an example for people to point at and go, yes, this is profitable. Yes, people want to see this. It's an independent thing. It's not based on anything else. It can be done. Whereas you take Charlie's Angels... (laughs) <laughs> and you remake that and no one cares. Yeah. I just don't think on paper this sounds like a really ambitious, great idea. Obviously, I said in execution looks amazing. If you write down, oh, uh, spy, quadruple agent, uh, <laughs> you know, not an amazing idea. No, but it leads the way for films to not have to be anything else. Like You don't need Jamie Bond when you can make mm. Atomic Blonde 2. Yeah. This is the best scene of the film. Dirty hallway fight. The dirty hallway fight. And I'm interested, actually. I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. Just before that, I wrote a shocking double cross. Shocking in, like, giant air quotes, where Percival goes rogue. He shoots Spyglass. Yeah, he shoots Spyglass and, and runs away. So, wait, so the guy who told you from the beginning that he's a liar and he cannot be trusted, and he's shown that he's a liar and cannot be trusted. Wow, he's a liar and cannot be trusted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's just annoyed me a little bit. Like, they should have thrown at least one red herring in there. I knew he was all along, and then there wasn't any mislead. No, but I took it as, like, it was so obvious that it can't possibly be him. (laughs) 
But the you problem know, is... I think the red herring was that it was so obvious. But then there wasn't uh, any other characters, really. Like, not big enough to be a plot twist. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean, yeah. So that was a bit disappointing to me. And the other thing... So he goes to the Russians. Yep. And he says that Spyglass, who dies, he fell on an ice pick. And I thought that was a great quote. Because you know who Trotsky is? No. Trotsky was Stalin's second-hand man in his early years. And he was poised to take over the Soviet Union. And they had a falling out. And Stalin tried to murder Trotsky. Right. And I think Trotsky emigrated to Argentina or something like that, Latin America. He was found with an ice pick in his head. Oh, really? Yeah, and the official explanation was he fell on an ice pick <laughs> in Argentina, but there's lots of ice. <laughs> so I thought that was a great quote. Right, one shot sequence of the dirty hallway fine. I enjoyed it. Charlie Theron, Atomic Blonde, she goes into this apartment complex, this commie block, as they say. <laughs> And she's followed by the Russians, and there's a very, very long action scene in a so-called dirty hallway. Dirty hallway, trademark. (laughs) (laughs) Which is full of hidden cuts, but it's meant to look one shot. I just wrote down that it makes extraction look like a fucking sharknado. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because this was the thing, obviously you're the film guy, you've done films. You can tell when it's cut into different things. I couldn't really. This, to me again looked like a really long single shot scene mm-hmm. it wasn't it was actually 40 different scenes stitched together yeah over half of them used cgi okay to stitch them together something that maybe extraction could have used usually the way to do it is you block the camera with something someone's back mm-hmm. something that's plain looking and easy to replicate and then you continue your scene from that yeah and this one i think i read that they used the doorways so mm-hmm. anytime a camera swung round past the doorway they used the straight edge of that went from one to the other mm-hmm. it was extremely well done in extraction it was tried to do something like this and just failed and it was shaky cam and it was very obviously done because they they literally zoom into plain looking objects <laughs> and they <laughs> zoom out only one thing i would say is that i wish it would have happened in a more interesting location that's why i call it the dirty hallway I disagree. I think because it's happening in such a regular, everyday location, that makes it extreme. Okay. It didn't have to be too much more, because 80% of the fight is about in the dirty hallway, and then, like, 20% is in someone's apartment. They go into, like, two or three different floors. Yes, but it's just visually not interesting to me. If the same thing would have happened at the movie theatre... Yeah. So much better. Like, so much more visually amazing. The idea is to concentrate on the action. Okay, then I would say just a little bit more would have done it. Uh, Whatever happens in the dirty hallway, I would put in someone's apartment, like, completely. You know, just a little bit of variety, because it was getting a bit tiring for me. Like, it was a bit too long and it was a bit too plain looking compared to what has happened before. But that's my only nitpick, really. Like, it's it's an amazing sequence. My favourite bit about this whole thing is that they get tired. Yeah. There's one point where Charlie's thrown and one of the big bad guys, they've had a fight and they've beaten each other up so much they can't even stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're literally just lying on the floor, like, <laughs> yeah. looking at each other like... <sighs> yeah, Charlie's thrown puts in one more big punch with a toaster or something. Yeah. And then she just falls on the floor, like, through the inertia and just, like, lies there for a bit. Yeah, that was great. Goes into that thing again where action movies really need this, where, like, the main character gets tired and hurt and needs to, like, overcome something mm. instead of just 
badass. Yeah. Because badass. I've been shot in the leg, but I'm still going to run yeah. towards this helicopter. So yeah, the fight scene goes on. She doesn't jump out of any windows this time. A spyglass gets shot. Yeah. And that's why they go into the building to try and rescue him. And they escape the building and jump into a car. And it's A police a... car, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Does she shoot the policeman or does she... I think threatens him to... Oh, yeah, yeah she holds to the kneel, gun kneel on the ground. That was it, yeah. We missed a scene earlier, actually, that was really cool as well. Uh, when in East Germany, Percival gets stopped by police, gets his papers, and he's like, yeah, 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 we got my papers. Accidentally, yeah. in quotes, drops them right next to him, and he just, like, beats the shit out of the yeah, two police. Punches the guy in the dick, like, a first move. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's hard. <laughs> an amazing car chase happens yeah i had a fault with this as well it is again nitpicky it could have done with much more realistic car crashes because in the background it does do that annoying thing that hollywood does now where cars just can't hit into each other there has to be like a small ramp hidden on the other side of the car so when one 1980s car crashes into another it immediately flies up into the air and flips in a stupid way yeah which just doesn't happen yeah and you could have done more because a lot of those cars had the engine in the back actually okay yeah so you could have crashed more without damaging the engine because the front was the boot but there's that and there's another one i can't remember what else happens i think someone crashes into the side of another car and it just flips and because mm-hmm. you've gone so real up until that point and then all of a sudden it's this incredibly hollywood car crash one of my favorites of this scene is they've crashed a bunch of times they've been shot out a bunch of times someone's jumped on the hood of the car after all of that she turns around to spyglass and was like fasten your seatbelt <laughs> <laughs> and that's what kills him well kind of kind of he drowns really quickly yeah you're right he might be implied that he bled out yeah. before he drowned so yeah he might not have saved him anyway i always do this thing whenever in a film someone gets trapped underwater mm. i always try and hold my breath yeah for the same amount of time to see how possible it is mm-hmm. i was very close to this she came out just a couple of seconds after i couldn't yeah. breathe anymore but my point was i held my breath for as long as he did and he drowned it was all too much for him you know, mm-hmm. he'd been shot he'd been car accident he was underwater and that was the end of it so then she gets out she manages to get her way back the west again this is a bit of a bizarre thing because she's walking down the street and bill skarsgård finds her yeah and he's like right we have to get you back to the west he puts her in his boot underneath that usually the spare tire goes yeah which begs the question why didn't they just do that earlier why not just put spyglass in the boot and then just drive him across if they're not checking that much (laughs) it would have been so much easier yeah (laughs) just seemed odd to me Mm -hmm. they went for all this effort to try and get her across the border Mm -hmm. and then she failed and they just drove across just (laughs) just five minutes later just (laughs) drove through no problems at all and then everything beyond this point just gets a bit twisty oh yeah this is where like harsh downturn for me visuals still great but story was really disappointing, especially at this point. Delphine threatens Percival. Percival kills her. Didn't really need to do that. Blonde shoots Percival. Then, like, <laughs> she makes she makes it a tape yeah. to make it seem like Percival is Satchel. Yes. When he's not. Yeah. I like that twist. That yeah. was a good one. Yeah, flashbacks to all the things that he said. And then she splices together the tape. To make him sound like he said one continuous thing, which is he's sexual, that implicates him. Yeah. Just that part of the twist I really like. Yep. 
And then there's another twist where she's Satchel. No, yes. She was, yeah. She was Satchel and she was working for the Russians. Yes. She goes to the Russian hotel and then, twist again, <laughs> she murders the Russian guy and she's actually working for the CIA. Yes. There's twists on twists on twists. I just wrote that at the end. What? There's more twists than an M. Night Shyamalan marathon. Yeah, this is where it got too ridiculous for me, and I just lost focus and thought I was watching The Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski? (laughs) Yeah, because in that, the story is supposed to be on purpose very confusing, so you don't follow it. It was like twist, and then twist, and then twist. No, it's actually this. No, it's actually that. This is why uh, my one sentence review was. Twist on twist on twist. Twist on twist on twist. Was that even necessary? No. Um, Not at all. It had a similar feeling to me like when I watched the BBC's Sherlock show. Yep. Sherlock in that made to be so smart that you can't follow his train of thought. So you're never shown what his train of thought is. So you can never figure out the mystery yourself. This was like that. This is like, isn't she smart? You didn't know all this and you never shown anything to indicate that these things are happening. And you can never guess that in a million years <laughs> other than just blind guessing. But isn't she smart? Right. I don't think it is smart if you don't lay down any groundwork for that. It felt to me like they had done some test screenings and it didn't play well. I think if it had ended with she was working for the Russians, mm-hmm. that would have made sense. Mm-hmm. because for the whole film it does kind of lay the groundwork if she wears a wire wherever she goes that's what makes her be able to frame Percival as being Satchel yes and turns out she's playing all the sides and working for the Russians all along that's fine you can kind of get there but it feels like they test screen that and they were like oh she's working for the Russians fucking commies yeah and they made them tack this bit onto the end where actually no she's working for the CIA because America. That's the bit that felt unnatural to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so many twists that you kind of lose focus. And you're like, why is this supposed to be? Even? Yeah. Like, what's happening? It's disappointing. Because I really liked it up until that point. It would be interesting how they do that in the sequel. The injuries more twists. Actually works for the Irish. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She works for Walt Disney. <laughs> Disney buys Atomic Blonde. <laughs> She's an undercover Amazon agent. Yeah. They go meta and then halfway through Atomic Blonde, a different movie starts playing. (laughs) Twist. You didn't see that twist coming. (laughs) Halfway through, Charlie Theron just takes off her face and it's a mask. She's actually Gary Busey (laughs) underneath. It's Gary Busey, but she has the same hair. She already does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) The the hair doesn't change. It's just the mask. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was the tip off that's what they were nodding to all along <laughs> yeah <laughs> overall thoughts presentation 10 out of 10 honestly yeah and I can't give this an overall score because I can't square that circle of presentation and story because they're so apples and pears to me because they didn't do such a good job with the story as with the presentation so it's kind of like a very beautifully presented mashed potatoes <laughs> on the plate <laughs> <laughs> like wow this looks amazing and then you taste it, it's just mashed potatoes it's kind of like that that's a fantastic analogy <laughs> it's very disappointing because i love the visuals it's, it carried so much for me i was with it and i was with it and at the end I'm like well i recommended it so i really enjoyed this film i think it is a big step forward 
in female-led action films. Yeah. It's a big step that, unfortunately, no one's really followed up. No. I think what's more important is what you said, is that it's a mid-budget movie that the creators clearly believed in and put the work in, and then it made its money back. So I think that's also a takeaway that Hollywood should take. Yeah, a weird thing that I was going to mention. So I looked up who made this movie, and yeah, John Wick, director and cinematographer. Yep. Also made Deadpool 2. Apparently so. Atomic Blonde has a beautiful color palette of reds and blues and neon and just it's just beautiful all around. And Deadpool too has the color palette of a muddy pond and uh, <laughs> concrete. Like uh, visually, they cannot be so different. I've always like thought this when it comes to like filmmaking though. Surely you just wouldn't want to do the same thing over and over and over again. No, like it's nice to have a style, you know. Like Wes Anderson's not giving up his shtick anytime soon because every film he makes does well. But like. You make a really colourful, stylized film. You are just going to want something like grounded and for Deadpool. But it's grounded. You know, he fights in a motorway. It's going to be concrete because the action scenes happening in cities. Yeah, but what I mean is grey and brown. That's the colour palette of Deadpool too. It's red and black. <sighs> not the, not the character. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but it's not just that. It's a different style. I think Deadpool too is no style, and they just run the camera as it was. <laughs> you know, feels like they just did that for the money. I went down the rabbit hole because I wanted to find out who has this vision. And right. I f- didn't find anyone. <laughs> so it must have been this director. So it's very weird to me that the directors and the cinematographers and the editors, who clearly done a great job, their IMDb is so hit and miss. And their uh, career is so hit and miss. If they put in as much effort as they put into this movie... Be, none of those people have 100% control. This movie should have had the least amount of control. Because it was uh, clearly not high budget. If it was like budget to how it should look, how much freedom they have, ratio, then this movie should have looked the worst. And Deadpool would have looked the best. But it's the exact opposite. Yeah, I do, man. I'm going to leave this, I think we're ending now, with a fun fact. Do you know why James McAvoy is wearing a cast for some of the film? Is that because he punched that guy in the nuts? And No. <laughs> okay. No, it's because while filming Split, he broke his hand <laughs> oh. in while filming Split. Was there no film explanation? He hides something in his cast. But I think they put that in the film because he broke his hand and he had to wear a cast. Oh, okay, I was actually going to say that he actually gets out of his cast and it looks like his hand is fine. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was the tip off. He's a double, triple, quadruple, <laughs> qu- quadruple, six sextet agent. That is my one and only fun fact. Oh, no, I do have another because while we were watching the film, you did say something in the IMDb fun fact. During the apartment fight, as Lorraine is jumping out the window, they used the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you gotta listen out for that. No. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Great movie. Great movie. So glad you liked it. Mm. That was another win for the me category. Yeah, we gotta rename this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what is next up on our watch list? Okay. So you know, I kept this secret from you. I don't know why. It's not like a big reveal or anything. But drum roll. Yeah, we we talked about Inception a lot. As it oh is, as it is our favorite movie. Are we, not of watch, are we not watching Inception, are we? <laughs> we talked about Inception a lot because it is our favorite movie of all time. I think up until now we haven't mentioned Inception in this. <laughs> like, yeah, not in this, but so, you know. So now we've now we've continued the trend of. It is in our contract. We have to say <laughs> Inception <laughs> once a podcast. So you know, cut this out. Um, <laughs> 
So I was thinking, we watch... Oh, he's got it right. Anime Inception. <laughs> anime Inception. <laughs> All right, so I am now holding a Blu-ray of a film called Paprika. Yeah. From Satoshi Kon, the director of Perfect Blue and Tokyo Godfathers. What in the fuck is this? So, apparently this was Inception's Inception. I've <laughs> 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 been going down. Um, you know what I mean? It's like... Uh, Ince- Inception's Conception. Inception's Conception. <laughs> <laughs> we got a title for that one now. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, this was big inspiration with Christopher Nolan to make Inception. And it is extremely similar, except one notable thing is that... It's animated. It's animated. <laughs> it's an anime. Uh, one big difference, in my opinion, is that in Inception, barely anything creative happens. And this is actually fucking weird as shit and dreams and weird characters and weird stuff happens. Have you seen this then? I haven't seen this in a really long time. Okay. So every movie that we've seen up until now, I was pretty much on top of all those. And I'm not on top of this. Okay. I remember yeah. liking it, and I remember being very confused about it. So I don't actually know how I'm gonna <laughs> like this. It'll be a treat for both of us. Yeah. Okay. Can we get into our new segment? What's our new segment? Uh, our new segment is I want to talk about Succession. <laughs> but, I <don't laughs> but I don't actually recommend it to you. One eternity later. I'm not a fan of I want to talk about Succession segment. I've got to say. Right. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Charles. Share, like, and subscribe.